here and that lets you save who cares true form life green look on Welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia. All right, thanks so much for joining me on this edition of the show. I always appreciate your time to see what we have going on. Today we have a fantastic topic. I'm going to talk about pushing limits and setting goals with James Anderson. And let me get into that. Before I do, I just want to ask you briefly here for a ratings and review on iTunes. So if you get a chance, it only takes a moment. I love to hear feedback. I'm always looking to improve the show. So if you get a chance, all you have to do is head over to iTunes, look for Exploring Mind and Body, and you can leave a a short ratings and review. That'd be fantastic. So thank you for that consideration. Now, James is going to talk about all kinds of crazy goals that he's setting for himself. Now, I truly believe that most times in life, we set goals far too low. Now, that's going to to be the opposite. No, I don't say he's setting his goals too high, but James has an incredible story of different goals he's setting and achieving and failure as well that's going to be in there. We'll get into that. Just before I jump into that show, I want to tell you about MAK Mystic Expressions. Now, this is a Himalayan salt company that specializes in pink salt. Well, personally, I feel this is a small transitioning moving from white refined salt to pink Himalayan salt that will improve our lives. So if you head over to makmystic.com, they have a number of information, products like salt lamps, salt shakers, heat bags, grinders, all kinds of different products and information to help you better understand how pink Himalayan salt can improve your health. makmystic.com. As I was saying, we have James Anderson coming online with us, and he's coming all the way from the UK, so I couldn't be more excited to have him come on and share some of his inspiration with us. Wow. I mean, some people ask me where you find motivation from, where you find inspiration, and it's people like James that really kind of wake me up and cause me to push myself, and I hope he causes you to push yourself as well because the things he's doing is are unreal. He's working on a push-up competition that's over. 2,200 push-ups in an hour. (laughs) I didn't even know that was possible. And then he has all kinds of, from running marathons in water to kettlebell, a world, he has the world record in swinging a kettlebell a certain weight in a certain amount of time that he's going to tell you all about. So sit back and enjoy. We got all that coming up on... This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. So tell me about these challenges and where they originated from. Were you a person that always pushed yourself, always pushed the limits, or did it just come out of nowhere? I've always had, my mom, I was speaking to my mom about this the other day because I've always had a lot of energy. Since a very young boy, I, I, I was just a kid that just ran around relentlessly, had uh, endless fire of activity. So my mum would often, when I got out from the school, would just kind of let me loose in the garden. And I'd run around the garden for, for all evening. She'd get me in to eat dinner. And then an hour later, I'd want to go outside again, run around. In class, I'd be the kid that would never sit down for more than a few minutes. So from a young age, I've always done sports. I've dabbled in all sports, in football, in mixed martial arts, in touch rugby. 
I've done everything. I just love activity. And I suppose the ultra endurance side of things is the extreme end of that energy because in order, in order to do ultra endurance, you have to have a lot of energy for a long period of time. So I kind of fell into it really. That's, I think I just fell into it through, through being someone who just loves activity. And I kind of fell into the run to Rome, which is the first challenge I did. That was just a kind of a dare, which, which kind of expanded into that epic event. And after that, I just really continued on this project of mine to try, try and become the, the fittest person in history. Tell me about the run to Rome. So the run to Rome was, uh, it's, well, it still is the event, which I think everyone remembers me by because it was it was done at a time where we were very young and only 20 years old and the, the run to Rome itself was a, a challenge in which we were going to try and run from uh, Canterbury which is a very historic Christian um, kind of a city just outside London all the way to Rome which is of course the, the head of the Vatican following the Via Francigena which is a, a pilgrimage route which people used to go on throughout the ages so so this idea came through being at university during our first year and really i was quite disillusioned with with university with the system i i of course like anyone else i enjoyed going out i enjoyed the the usual stuff which comes along with being a student but i just felt like i was missing something in my life i felt like i was i needed to do something some kind of path to manhood some kind of trial which I hadn't yet gone through. In the past, I flirted with joining the military. I didn't didn't really quite go through with it. So the run to Rome, what really was my own and, my, and the guy I ran to Rome with, Max, is it, it was our our kind of pilgrimage, so to speak, um, away from from kind of the uh, kind of the immaturity and kind of um, character traits, negative traits, which you associate with being kind of a child and, and trying to do something really difficult and trying to prove to ourselves and to our our loved ones, our friends and families and to the world to some degree that we can do something difficult. So that was the run to Rome. Um, it was, uh, we, we aimed, we wanted to, 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 to get from England to Rome in under 60 days. It's 1,200 miles, which was roughly about a marathon a day. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. That's crazy. You ran a marathon a day for 60 days? Essentially, it wasn't every day because we, we at the time, were 20 years old and we literally left. We had no support team. We had no real financial backing. It was completely, it was a mess. And the day we were leaving, my parents were an absolute nervous wreck um, because they, we weren't ready for it. You know, we trained hard for the event. We, we trained for months. But in terms of logistics, we really were just kind of two, two kids basically lining up with a buggy in Canterbury with our parents looking on in absolute <laughs> fear. Yeah. And, and no one really thought we'd... My mum, and, and she told me later on that there was plans for us to get picked up in France. They thought we'd make it to Paris or near Paris or Dijon. So no one really believed we'd do it and I was kind of a strange guy at university I was a bit of a I was a bit of an outcast so people you know they really liked me I thought I was a nice guy but they kind of knew that hmm, I, I don't think they've got it in them so yeah it, we, we left without any real I mean we had about 600 pounds between us both for the two months so we didn't have a lot of money um but you know it was just getting out on the road and, and, and kind of getting on every day we'd we'd start off with 
Um, some days we do 30 miles, some days we do 15, some days we do 50 miles, some days we'd walk for, you know, over 24 hours, some days we'd, we'd run a marathon and then walk. It was, it was a complete mess in terms of the organizational structure. But what we did have was just this inbuilt, um, resilience and desire and fanatical kind of desire to get to Rome in under 60 days. And we were willing to, to go to the end to get that goal because, you know, we had nothing to come back to, you know, so that, that was kind of the, the main drive behind why we were doing it. It was kind of a real, uh, kind of, uh, um, pilgrimage to prove to ourselves that we could accomplish something difficult. How did you keep track day by day, how far you've gone or how close you were getting to Rome? We only had a couple of roadmaps, so we literally hugged the road the whole journey. So we, we used to run, in, in Europe, we have like a private motorway, so you have to pay a toll to get onto the motorways. So often we'd, uh, and it was quite a funny sight actually, we'd, we'd run through the toll booths um, <laughs> with, our, with our buggies, uh, like two crazy people, and that's how we kind of keep track of where we were going. So we'd, we'd just follow the roads ultimately, and we had maps but you know Europe's very well connected. We had a rough idea of where we needed to be each day. Some days we fell behind. Um, we had various things happen to us during the event, which set us back, um, including but not limited to being, you know, thrown in jail for a few days, being, you know, running out of money, um, losing buggies, having to carry, you know, about. 40 kilos over the Alps for a few days. So it was, it was a real whirling derby of, of activities. <laughs> My gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> what does it feel like to tell people that? Like there must be some sense of pride to say we were able to do that and no one can take that from us. Yeah, it's funny you say that, actually, because I said to my, my, my friend Max, he's actually, he's actually the, the guy who, um, who I, my business partner in the telecom side of things. So we, we always say we have this one card. The run to Rome is our one card, which, which we can kind of get out with things. Or So, you know, uh, uh, James, you're, you're really kind of late today for work, or James, you're really not, I don't know, you're, you're really annoying me, but you ran to Rome. <laughs> so it's kind of like the, the one card we have, but I think people get really sick of it. I'm like a, a kind of a, a veteran, you know, those guys who kind of during the war kind of guys who just talks about it. So I think largely throughout, throughout my friends, people are kind of sick of me talking about it, but I, I can't help it because, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, if, if someone's willing to listen to me ramble about the event, I, I'll, I'll go off on hours and hours and hours until they tell me to stop. So, um, you know, it's uh, interesting. Whenever, whenever anyone um, asks me about Run to Rome, uh, there's no shortage of, um, of passion for me to, to tell people about the story. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible story. And the, the adventure part of it, I mean, it sounds like a crazy adventure. I would tell everyone about it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good fun. All right, so I want to tell you about the Silver Fern Aesthetic and Vein Clinic. Now, they specialize in a few areas. One is skin care. They'll tell you the difference between professional skin care and over-the-counter skin care. This is something that they specialize in as well as offering education to their customers and clients. Mineral makeup is one of their non-toxic type of products. They have no talc, perfume, dyes, alcohol, or anything else that may clog your pores. They also specialize in varicose and spider veins. I actually have 
had the opportunity to stop in there and they helped me better understand who's more likely to get them, how to treat them, and even how to prevent them. And then they also offer detoxing products and services such as their universal contour wrap. They offer a clay solution. This gets rid of toxins, increases your energy levels, and much more. If you want more details, visit their Facebook page at Silver Fern Aesthetic and Vein Clinic. They're also offering free consultations from Dr. Jackson and their other skincare professionals. You can find them in Didsbury across from the train station, or you can give them a call at 403-335-8829. So tell me about another one of these crazy things that you've done. I, the, where I initially found you was doing push-up con, not push-up contest, but setting the push-up record for... Yeah. Go ahead and tell me about that one. Yeah, so, I mean, I'll just give you a backstory in terms of how I how I got from the run to Rome to the push-up world record. Um, so, so I got back from the run to Rome and my, my again, Max, he'd he done this epic feat and he was like, mate, I'm done now. You know, I'm done. This, this is, this was great, James. It was, it was, it was a fantastic experience. I've lost 15 kilos of weight. I have no money. I have no friends. People <laughs> think I'm crazy. So I'm going to, I'm going to just say goodbye and, uh, and, and, and focus on, on, on going to uni and getting a degree. But for me, I, I just want, I, I wanted more. So I just, I, I got back home and I was off for a week or two and I was like, I need to do something else. I need to do more challenges. So I, I started doing crazy challenges at uni. I went back to uni. I failed my first year at uni for doing a run to Rome. I completely made a hash job in my first year at uni. I came back again from my second attempt at my first year at university and did a, a kind of, a, I ran a marathon uh, in, in the sea carrying 40 pounds of weight. So it's like a sea marathon. So, and people, again, to add to the run to Rome, students were like, this guy is, I don't know what this guy's on. Um, my parents were, again, quite astounded at why I was doing it. And then after that, I did another challenge, which was a 24-hour stair climbing challenge, which was to climb the, the height of Everest and back down again in under 24 hours. So that's about kind of 16,000 meters um, of stairs. That took me 21 hours to do. And then I did another challenge, which was to row 50 kilometers on an erg and then run 50K and then do a 3,000 meter stair climb in under 14 hours. And then after that, I'd done the Kettlebell World Record. And then after the world record, after setting that, um, the push-up world record was the next thing on the agenda. So that's where I'm at now, really. I'm just trying to yeah, just 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 break boundaries in in the world of push-ups, in the in the real, uh, you, you know, competitive realm of push-ups. Where does your inspiration or motivation come from to set these goals for yourself and follow through? Well, I, I think for me, it's it's discipline. Like I, I'm quite, I think my parents are both musicians, and and I'm quite a um, sporadic person, and I I need something, I need this in my life, but I really enjoy doing difficult things because. I really have grown much more through doing through difficult things than I have done through ever just sitting around and playing Xbox all day. So for me, it's, it is actually a, a real process of character development. Not only do I obviously maintain a high level of physical fitness, I also have developed a, a real uh, resilience in my mind to combat the day-to-day -day issues which a lot of people face. A lot of people say, you know, why do you put yourself through this pain? And, and I kind of respond by saying, it's not really 
pain in the sense of any real world pain. I mean, they're suffering and they're suffering. This is just sport, you know. At the end of the day, I can stop doing push-ups. We all face issues in our lives which we have to tackle head on. So for me, the challenges are kind of like mental sparring to help me overcome the inevitable periods of difficulty which we all face in our day-to-day lives. So it, it really does help me. And I've met some wonderful people. I've raised some money for charity whilst doing it. And it provides people with a great story and I do have an ambition to set many, many world records and to really be remembered as someone who pushed the boundaries in his own strange way of physical fitness and could show people that if you put your mind to something, if you, if you work hard at something, you can achieve it. So that's kind of where my motivations lie. Um, it's not really, there's no money in this. It's, there's no money in this at all. It's, it's a very, very niche sport. I don't get any sponsors. It's not really a massive spectator sport. It's actually hard for spectators to watch because it's so long. So for me, yeah, yeah, it's an ultra in itself. So yeah, that, that's where my motivations lie. It's made me the person I am today. Without doing these events, I wouldn't have accomplished the stuff I've accomplished outside of ultra endurance at all. And I can safely say that. Would you go and approach sponsors or look for to do this as a profession? Is there a reason you don't or reason you don't want to it's not for me like it's not about that i mean a lot of people say you know you should try and become a professional athlete or again i'm not actually that good at any one thing i'm not i'm not that explosive i'm not a great sprinter i i've never been great at one thing i'm a jack of all trades in terms of sponsors i like the freedom to be able to say and do what i want and that's a big thing for me i've always been someone who values their autonomy and i really really cherish my individual sovereignty whether that's in the challenges I've done, whether that's in what I'm doing now in terms of trying to pursue a career kind of as a, as a self-employed person, that for me is a big thing. So if anyone in the past, and people have come in the past to try and you know say, James, you should perhaps do this event or you should act this way or that way, I've been very, very against doing that. I really do believe that for me, this process of, of doing the challenges and then and trying to forge these challenges into what I'm doing now in business, I believe that the end goal of that is is kind of my own completely unique model of of my own existence, not based on any kind of existing idea of who or what I should be. So that's kind of why I've kind of tended to stay away from kind of mainstream sponsors. I mean, I have charities who I work with, I have WaterAid, uh, a massive NGO, I have a local charity I work with, and... Um, you know, they they know the deal with me. They know I'm a bit of an oddball, so they kind of leave me to do my thing and uh, and get some money for them. Let's break these down a little bit here. Where did the idea come from to run a marathon <laughs> in water, carrying 40 yeah. pounds of weight? Well, well, again, this probably is a myth, but um, I'm quite a gullible person. That's probably one of my uh, personality, uh, one of my uh, drawbacks to my personality. But whilst I was on the run to Rome, I met this this guy from Israel who told me that one of the challenges which they do in the Israeli military is an exercise where they have to march through like a river carrying weight in under a certain amount of time. So I took that idea away and created my own challenge, which was to kind of do a variation of that and uh, and kind of do it um, along the seafront. I went to uni near a sea, so I kind of done that. Uh, and again, I, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm not quite sure whether he's pulling my leg. But um, regardless, the challenge was completed. I um, actually tore, I had to do the event in a swimsuit, uh, like a, a wetsuit. 
And during the event, it was a stony beach. Most beaches have sand. In the UK, a sandy beach is a is a complete mirage. There's only rock. Yeah. So it was a it was a rocky beach. So I actually I ripped the sole of my shoe. So I was doing the marathon over craggy rocks with the weight, and that was like sort of nearly sort of seven hours of walking over this really excruciatingly painful exercise. That was that really, and. Uh, <laughs> I did it. I raised some money for charity, and I uh, got filmed, and um, I got some press there, and and um, I suppose some people thought I was completely insane, and and some people thought I was I was I was a great guy for doing it, and uh, yeah, that was kind of that was that. All right, so I just want to take a moment to tell you about the tire shop here in Olds. Now, to be honest with you, I'm not really a car person. I wouldn't be the first to fix, well, anything. <laughs> so that's why I trust some a company like the tire shop. When I bring my car in there, I always know that it's going to get quality service. I really love the customer service. It's, it's bar none. They treat you like family. And this is a family-run business for 40 years. So they're definitely doing something right. And they're not just a tire company so they do oil brakes tune-ups your battery wheel alignment they do all kinds of different things to service your car and now that winter's on the way it's definitely a good time to get your car checked out have someone that you trust and, and believe in and to support the community as well as a local tire shop you can reach them at 403-556-7660 or if you want to stop in they're at 5903 imperial way right behind napa all right, so the next one you did, you wanted to do 24 hours of the stair climb. Where did that idea come from? Well, I used to live in halls during my first year at uni. So I came to uni um, like a fresher or freshman, and I, uh, and I, I literally, um, I, was in, I was in halls, and I was this guy, I just, you know, I was 19 years old. I used to, to run up and down the stairs doing um, kind of high-intensity training up and down the stairs, to, to kind of just build my explosiveness. So I used to do a lot of MMA um, and boxing and stuff. So that kind of helped me. And again, my personality, I'm quite an extreme person. So what, I started off with 10 stair climbs. Then one day I done 20. Then I did 50. Then I thought, hmm, this, that, how, high, how, much, how far can this go? So eventually I ended up saying, how high is Trigger Halls? This is the halls I lived in. It was about, so I think it was about, I forgot how high it was now, but it, it, it was uh, so about sort of, I don't know, like 40 or 50 meters high. Something like that. I don't know what it was, but the, the, the math was that it worked out roughly about 200 stair climbs would equal uh, the equivalent height of running up Mount Everest. So I, I worked it out, I packaged it into a challenge and I went up and down the stairs and at the bottom I did 20 press ups each time and I did that for a whole day. I uh, had no food, just kind of had uh, water, some energy bars, and I had some loyal friends there, some loyal fanatical friends who, who really helped me out on these events. And uh, and yeah, I did the challenge, but again, raised some money for charity and uh, completed that. I actually failed the first time and had to train again to do it. So I failed that challenge, got to like, I think it was about 124 and did that again. So uh, that, that was the inspiration behind that. How did you train for something like that? Did you just run stairs or is there other forms of training to do something like that? Well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing with ultra endurance. There's no real, if you're training for a long race, if, you know, if you're doing, if anyone listeners are doing like an ultra, like a 50 mile race, um, 
You know, I hear a lot of people say, no, nah, you, you've got to do, you know, you just mix it up. And I, I do agree with that. But ultimately, you've got to get some miles under your belt. So if you're doing a, a stair climbing challenge like what, like I was doing, or if you're doing a long ultra, you've got to go, you've got to go out there and do those miles because it's not really physical. You, you can you can walk 50 miles or you can do the, the challenges I do aren't particularly physically that demanding. It's more about kind of your mental state. So I tell people, if you're, if you're doing an ultra, if you're doing anything like this, you need to get mentally prepared. You need to uh, be out on the road clocking in those miles and, and, and giving the time and giving the respect to the challenge. So that's what I did. I mean, I, I do at least one very, very long session on a Sunday. It's the same how I prepare for ultra run. So I do a one long session on a Sunday and obviously do a shorter kind of a higher tempo session but uh, for for events like this, for really long uh, events like this, you, you, there's no substitute than going out there and putting the hard work in. And that's where I think a lot of people, um, I think, fall behind or injure themselves doing these ultra events because they're becoming more popular. Uh, people think they can get away with, if you're doing a 100 miler, by doing a marathon or doing a 45 miler. No, if you're doing a hundred mile, you need to be clocking in that distance several times before you, you, you go to that race. Cause if you don't, you're, you're, you're mentally going to break down. Well, that's a good segue into the mental preparation or the mental stress you're putting on your mind. Of course, your body, but your mind as well. What's it like to carry on and get through these long endurance challenges? Well, as you can imagine, it's, you have several moments in, in these races. It's a real, I try and describe it to people as, as, as if you're kind of like uh, on, on a treadmill and you're on this treadmill and you're starting the, when you start off, it's very, very easy. But every so often you get a little kind of a little wall which comes up and you've got to step over that wall. And when you approach that wall, you make a decision to go over the wall or not. And you go over that wall. And the longer, the longer you're on that, that treadmill, the higher that wall becomes and the more effort you need to get over that wall. And the battle is when you hit that wall, it's deciding whether I go on or whether I stop. And that's the, that's the battle which I face every challenge, which everyone faces when they do an ultra. And you can kind of scale it back to, to training. And that's why it's really important to get that mental training under your belt, that mental stress, get used to that, that kind of that horrible feeling of feeling absolutely done. You, you have nothing left. You need to experience that regularly. It's like training a, a muscle. And people, people, people think that, you know, you have to do some, you know, some, some visualization. I'm all for visualization, but I'm also a practical person. I think you need to go out there and practice overcoming difficulty, practice feeling broken, practice uh, facing your physical wall and overcoming it because your body is going to throw lots and lots of tantrums along the way. So you're going to have several bonks. You're going to have a glycogen bonk, which happens quite soon. You know, your body's going to say, you know, hold on, what's going on? I'm running out of energy here. Uh, let's stop. But it's your job to say, no, let's keep going. We've got fat to burn, you know, and I can burn fat for days. So that, that, that's, that's, the, that's the battle you, yeah, that I face that everyone needs to face um, during these events. So in answer to your questions, it's, it's horrible for me. It's never easy overcoming these walls. It's never easy for anyone to overcome their own walls. But the only way you kind of improve that is by regularly overcoming them, you know, through training and stuff like that. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of the show. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed that show. I hope you found some inspiration from James because 
Wow. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say. But uh, thank you so much, James, for coming on and sharing your story with us, your inspiration, and all the best to you in achieving your world records that set for yourself. Before I let you go, I want to mention a few of our longtime sponsors. We have Shoppers Drug Mart here in Olds, very community orientated. They're always supporting local, and we so much appreciate their support. So again, Shoppers Drug Mart here in Olds. We have AG Foods in Didsbury, again, very community orientated. They're bringing healthier foods to our community, which I feel is so important to our health. So you can check out AG Foods in Didsbury. We also have Health Street here in Olds. They have some of the highest health standards in Canada. They have all kinds of education going on there. So if you have any questions, you can visit them at the store. You can sign up some for some of their events as well, or you can find them at online at healthstreet.ca. And I'm going to mention GDK here, gravel and sand at the end. So if you found some motivation from James and you want to try our free 10-day workout challenge, all you have to do is head over to trueformlife.com. On the main page, you can find links and more information to join. It's absolutely free. All you do is enter in your email address. So we're going to send you a brand new workout each day for 10 days. No equipment, all full body weight exercises. And you get a brand new workout each day along with a health and wellness tip to help you succeed. So once again, thank you so much for being here. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com. Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia would not be possible without the help of GDK Gravel and Sand. GDK Gravel and Sand, now offering all products in half and one yard bags. Give them a call today for more information. 1-877-335-2091.